Pittsburgh Steelers fans, it's Matty P here, your host of Steelers War Room. Before you listen to today's show, and we hope you enjoy everything we've got to offer on that one, we just wanted to let you know that, as always, my show records in the future, and that's in the future. I can sometimes be up to 15, 20 hours ahead of when it goes live. As such, over the last 24 hours as, as I've woken up, and so, certainly since I recorded the podcast that you're listening to today, but don't worry, there's still great content in there, and, and the salary confirmed salary cap number won't change it. But as I just mentioned there, the salary cap has now been, now been finalized by the NFL at $82.5 million dollars. Remember, the Steelers have 4.9 million carryover. So I just wanted you to remember those two things as you listen through to today's show. Hope you enjoy it. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, welcome to this week's episode of Steelers War Room. I'm your host of this weekly show, Matt Peverell. Um, I co-host the Steelers Touchdown Under podcast and YouTube show each week. So if you haven't been able to catch that, go back and catch that. Um, and, and for those of you that might have missed a few of the first War Rooms that we've had, this is an evolution of Steel's cap room. We've moved it to war room to really encompass everything that's cap related as we enter free agency. Um, this time, you know, next week, sort of free agency will have well started in, in the new league year and well underway. Um, we'll have already had a couple of days of the tampering period as well, which starts on Monday. But yeah, as I said, this podcast is really about talking everything, free agency, draft, everything in the lead up to the season that is going to basically fill the Steelers war room when it comes to the roster. It's about putting you in that position of Kevin Colbert, Omar Khan, Mike Tomlin. What are they thinking about? What do they need to do? So look, the focus of this week's show, we're going to meld a lot through what's happening in free agency in the draft because, you know, everyone can have any mock draft under the sun and, you know, you're starting to see the three and four round mock drafts come out by, you know, ESPN and CBS and, you know, you're seeing them, you know, through all the different draft and fantasy websites and what have you and PFF and, and all the rest of it. But really, and as some of us have already said on BTSC across the different shows or in articles, until free agency happens and teams start defining what they need to get out of the draft, these mock drafts are purely speculation. And, and anyone that's a keen follower of the draft knows that on the day, anything can happen. So I wanted to kick it off to this week's show, and there's a lot to get through. And as I said, we're going to blend through a, different, a few different pieces there. But I want to kick it off with a bit of an interesting take that I've got on this year's draft. So... I think for anyone that's that's caught up on a few shows since pretty much the preview last week, um, there was a, it was sort of reference that in our BTSC Slack channel, I'd been suggesting a bunch of different trades that the Steelers should do. And it was funny because basically what happened was that I accept, I, I was running a mock draft simulator and the Steelers got offered a bunch of trades. Now, realistically, you know, Steals are very unlikely to be offered all those trades. I was offered a stack load of trades in this particular draft, and I chose to accept them all. Um, and I ended up with something like, I think it was 14 picks. It, it was it was just incredible, um, the sorts of picks I had. So, you know, and, and that covered, you know, there were players, and basically it was about trading out of the first round. And, you know, for those of you out there who are already keen on the draft, you know, I was able to snag Javante Williams at 57 in this simulator, Brevin Jordan at 78, Trey Hill, the the guard from Georgia at 79, Quincy Roche, who I previewed last week um, at 87, Cameron McGrone at the linebacker position from Michigan at 90, Elijah Moore at wide receiver, Nico Collins from Michigan at wide receiver, Jalen Twyman from Pittsburgh, Tommy Kramer, Elijah Griffin, um, 
Jimmy Morrissey, the center from Pitt, to sort of improve our center room there, and Master Teague, the running back at pick 225 um, out of Ohio State. And, uh, and then I even selected a punter with pick number 244 because we know that, you know, Barry, we know what he offers. And as part of that draft, I had a, a, Minis- a second round pick from Minnesota um, in 2022 to help us out there. But look, that's not necessarily realistic. We're not going to end up with 13 picks in this in this year's draft. But we do have we do have nine picks at the moment. Um, if you look at where the projections are going in terms of the compensatory picks, the Steelers have a bunch of needs to fill, and, I, and I'll talk and in this show. We'll talk about a couple of those key positions that they could fill them both through the draft and free agency. But I want fans to think about it. Don't be surprised if the Steelers trade back. And and what, what why am I saying that? Um, you know. My gut feel is that they they will stick at that 24 position. But you've got to think about the draft and the way the Steelers approach it and best player available. Also, what are the needs at the position? Right now, center is very high on a lot of people's boards. There are, now, really, the top centers in the draft, you're talking about um, Landon Dickerson, you're talking about Creed Humphrey, you know, Josh Myers might be in there, but he's more a third round. All those guys are pretty much second round grade or, or, or below. You know, they might go earlier if someone's got a need, or you might see someone like a Kansas City um, with all the woes they had of the offensive line look to take, you know, that really late given they're picking at 31. But are the Steelers going to use number 24 on that? Now, all of us have said using the 24th pick on a running back would, you know, wouldn't necessarily be the smartest way to, to get that player. Steelers trading back, whether it's later in the first round or the second round, makes sense to me for a couple of reasons. And as I said, you can well see if there's a great linebacker there, like, you know, uh, Zayvon Collins, um, you know, depending on the grade they give to Nick Bolton, um, you know, you could see them go there. You know, there's great tackles in, you know, guys like Jalen Mayfield, you know, um, Christian Darisol is probably going to be picked much earlier there. Um Dylan Radnitz from um, from North Dakota State, and hopefully I pronounce his name right, even with the accent there. You know, he's another option too. Um, Tevin Jenkins, I'm not so supportive of. I think he's more of a second round and a mid-second round player, if that. But going back to why I'm saying, don't be surprised if the Steelers trade back in the first round. Um, there are going to be a lot of desperate teams in this draft. Um, there are a lot of desperate quarterback teams. There are a lot of desperate, you know, those teams are just willing to make moves. If you look at where the different picks are in terms of where they're spread across the teams. Equally, the Steelers do well in later rounds. And the Steelers also, you know, particularly when we think about positions like wide receiver, where we could add a bit of depth later on in the draft. I'm talking rounds three and below. Um you know, there are a bunch of different positions there where we, we, we don't, you're not going to have a, a, a stack of cap and I will give a cap update later in the show, but you know, we're not going to have a stack of cap. So because we don't have a stack of cap, we need to really draft out of those positions equally, you know, as Michael Beck mentioned on his show this week, the Steelers really want play out of their first rounders. So trading back, you sort of sit there and go, well, hang on that. If they want play out of their first rounders, then you're not necessarily going to pick them, you know, and they're not going to trade back in that first round. But I went back and had a look a bit at a bit of history. Now, for those those out there who are around then or can remember or have gone back and what have you, up until 1977, there were 17 picks, 17 rounds in the NFL draft. Now, can you imagine the production that would be put on today with by the NFL if that was happening? We'd be going for five days. And you know what? There's probably a bunch of fans that would love it. In 1977, um, this was changed to 12 rounds. 
Um, and then in 1994, about 17 years later, then it was changed to seven rounds, which is its current format. The Steelers' 1974 draft is one of the best in their history. You know, they drafted, you know, Lynn Swan. They drafted Jack Lambert. They didn't have a third pick. They traded that to the Raiders. They drafted John Stallworth, Mike Webster in the fifth round. Um, you know, and, and Lambert was a reach. Uh, you know, at the time, they, people thought that Stallworth had run that bad time. Webster was too light, what have you, but Steelers thought he played stronger on film when I did that up. You know, and that followed previous years where they'd got, you know, Joe Green, I'll see Greenwood, Terry Bradshaw, Mel Blunt, Jack Ham, Greg Mullins, Dwight. Dwight White, Ernie Holmes, Larry Brown, Mike Wagner, JT Thomas, and Franco Harris, all players that we know. Now, that's an awesome drafting there. But when you look at it, there was more picks to be had. And what did that deliver? I mean, it, it, you can talk about simple maths there from a successful team like the Steelers. The more picks you've got, the more likely, you, you know, the more goes you've got at striking gold. Equally, they did it really well. I then think back to last year. And last year when they had the, some of the NFL had their sort of conference conferences to sort of approach the 2020 season season with COVID and it was around about the combine time when that happened, Steelers general manager, our current general manager, Kevin Colbert came out and basically said, look, I think that each team should get three extra draft picks student. And I quote the inherent challenges posed by coronavirus restrictions. He suggested the idea because he felt the team teams were more prone to making mistakes without additional time to evaluate that the 2020 prospects. Now we know how well the Steelers did, and perhaps it worked in our favor with guys like Dotson and Highsmith um, to, to come out there. But and obviously Claypool too to a degree. But sort of COVID had advocated for this 10-round draft and how much that would help widen a team's margin for error. This season, not only there were a lot of players there that sort of had the challenge of the like you know with the combine and what have you, but equally, this year there were a bunch of players that held out. There's a bunch of players that had impacted seasons. There are people that were injured, um, you know, due to due to changes in play and changes in preparation. There are guys as said that set out. You've got no film of them. There are guys, you know, and I, I talked about this a little bit last week um, that literally have very limited scouting reports. People don't know what they're going to report into sizes. Like right now, apparently if you look at all the different profiles submitted as part of draft registrations, all the linebackers, for example, are six, three and 245 pounds. When they go into be, you know, to go into be weight or whatever, there'll be some that'll be 255. There'll be some that are, you know, in the two thirties, you know, there were guys that are going to be six foot one and a bit. And there's guys that are going to be six foot four. They're not all going to be the standard six, two and a half, six, three, you know, this prototypical, you know, outside linebacker or linebacker. So it just makes me wonder at 24, if the Steelers don't have that that key player on their big board, that key player that they're completely confident in, do you trade back? What if you just trade back a couple of spaces and get and that gets you an extra third or or might even get you an extra second next year and you, you can use that to do something else later on? I just bring it up because I think it's interesting with when you look at Kevin Colbert and you look at Omar Khan and stepping in and you look at Mike Tomlin, but particularly Tomlin and Colbert, they need to do things and they need to give Ben weapons. And we don't necessarily have the cap to do it. I'm not saying that you can just bring someone in to be a day one starter in the second round. But if you're looking at a Javonte Williams as a key guy at running back, who's really not going to make it past pick round 40 at this stage, I'm thinking, um, Creed Humphrey's rated about 48th in the draft right now for a lot of people. And, and now the LA Rams could be looking at him at the center position. Steelers aren't picking till 55. 
you know, what if we what if we could pick up something? What if there is a desperate team that wants to trade with us? You know, and we are able to pick up a couple of different positions there. I'm just saying there could be a real interesting opportunity. And would you feel so bad about the Steelers taking a Javante Williams at, you know, at pick number 28 or 29 or 30, what have you, later in that first round, but you feel a bit more comfortable because it's not, you know, 24th or what have you. But I'll tell you what, if Zayvon Collins, you know, is sitting there or one of these, one of the top tackles in the draft is sitting there and Steelers begin at 24 or Najee Harris, there's going to be a lot of weighing in from, from Steeler fans out there going, you know what, draft these guys, draft these big guys. But being patient might just pay off. The second thing that I wanted to talk about in part one of the show was running back options. So I wanted to flick over to the cap side of things. Before I do, I thought it was really important that we just have a quick reset in terms of what how the Steelers are going in terms of cap space, um, you know, for this season because you know I think it's it's interesting in the effective cap. So right now, based on a one hundred and eighty million dollar um, and five hundred thousand dollars salary cap, the Steelers have improved significantly. The Steelers Steelers are no longer the worst teams in the NFL right now. The Steelers, after Ben's deal in the last week, have three point three million dollar caps cap room on the books. Which really, you know, there's teams before them. There's the like, so number 31 is the Sa- 32 is the Saints, 31 the Rams, 30 the Eagles, 29 the Falcons, 28 the Chiefs, the, the Bears are in at 27, the Packers in are at 26, the Giants in at 25, the Buccaneers at 24, the Lions in at 23, and there's the Vikings, 22, Cowboys, 21, Bills, 20, the 19 is the Titans, and the Steelers are sitting there at 18. Now that's $3.3 million effective cap space against their top 51 players. You know, that's an awesome place to be in compared to where we were a week ago. You know, where we were a week ago, you, you know, we were starting to get a bit nervous. You know, we were really starting to, you know, we, and you know, it's easy to get nervous. We all had, I think everyone, anyone out there that listens to BTSC knows to have some confidence in the Pittsburgh Steelers in terms of what they can do with the cap. Um, you know, because because of what we're able to do each year. But at the same time, you know, you're like, well, who are we going to keep? Who are we not with our 20 or so, you know, um, free agents or exclusive rights free agents? Equally important update this week as well. Um, we do know that in the last sort of 24 hours or so, Marcus Allen has signed his exclusive rights, um, you know, f- free agent designation. Now, until he can do that as well, we can't even necessarily do anything or he can't even negotiate with the other teams. So that doesn't, concretely mean he's back with the Steelers. It's likely he is, but it's just something to keep in mind. As I said, I want to quickly talk about running backs. In looking at replacements for James Connor, I thought it was really interesting to look at a few different players that um that that are coming up in terms of in terms of being available in free agency. And that is, and there's three players there. That's Chris Car- Carson, Marlon Mack, um, and Kenyon Drake. So Chris Carson, um, you know, in his career to date, he's he's played 45 games. He's had 715 rushing attempts. Um, he's produced 3,270 3, yards, 21 TDs, an average of 4.6, a long of 61. Receiving, he's had um, 775 yards off 101 receptions, seven touchdowns. Marlon Mack, um, He's, had, he's participated in 41 games. His yards are 2,383, touchdowns 20, um, average yards per carry of 4.4, long of 63. So he's going to lock a couple of yards more than there. And then Chris Carson, um, 55 receptions for 440 yards, eight 
average, only two touchdowns. Kenyon Drake, you know, he's played 77 games. He's had an extra year in the league compared to those two. He's kicked off his career in 2016, 695 rushing attempts for 3,133, um, 130 yards, sorry, 27 TDs. So he's got more than both, all of them. Um, then there, average yards of 4.5, long of 80. And we know he's got that burst of speed, Kenyon Drake, um, you know, 169 receptions for 1,244 yards and six TDs. Um, and then for context, James Connor, um, 27 to 2020, we know that 50 games, 530 attempts there. Um, so he's 332 actually. So he's had the least attempts out of all of them, 2,302 yards, 22 touchdowns. So he's actually got more than Chris Carson and Marlon Mack, along with 59. We know Connor, you know, doesn't necessarily run that whole field. Um, 124 receptions for um, 963 yards. Um, and four touchdowns. Now, when you look at that, he's got, you know, he's got more yardage there than, than Chris Carson or Marlon Mack. He's caught 25 more passes though, but you know, he's done particularly well. Um, when you look at it, his average, he's got had four TDs receiving and his average is 7.8 out of there. So they're interesting backs because they've all rushed, you know, for significant yardage. They've, you know, um, whilst not being league leaders, they've also had a receiving element. Now, when you talk about Marlon Mack, he's coming off that injury. You know, he might be a couple of million a year. You could backload it. You could have an Ebron-style contract, which is less this year, more next year. I'm not saying it's Ebron money with him. I know uh, Chris Carson's forecast to be about that 5.2, um, you know, million dollar mark-ish per year. Whether the Steelers have got that to spend on a running back in this situation, I'm not so sure. Um, and that's what's going to be really interesting is is what do the Steelers have to spend on running back because they have to do something at the running back position. Then you know, yes, they can carry with Snell, and you know, you'd be thinking if they want to draft a Javante Williams, well, hang on, you want to or a player like that or a Najee Harris at twenty four, if that's the way they wanted to go, you know, is that really you know is is getting someone in free agency smart? Um, but you know what, it just might be. Um, and, you know, Kenyon Drake, he, uh, I think he's projected here in the latest salary guide is, uh, from over the cap is going for $5.5 million. So interesting food for thought there on those sorts of players, but they're three players that the Steelers could consider. And with that, we've wrapped up part one of Steelers, uh, Steelers Warren for this week. Join me for part two. I'm going to talk a little bit about the center position of, of uh, Pouncey's retirement. I'm also going to talk a couple of you know, prospects um, said I'm putting together a bit of a big board over the next few as we go into this draft. And I want to present to you a couple of interesting options for the Steelers later on in the draft class. So stay tuned for part two, where we'll address those subjects. Um, no need to flick over anywhere. Just hang on through the break. We're back in Steelers Warren. I'm Matt Pevel, and I'm your host of this weekly of this weekly show that covers everything roster draft and you know everything Pittsburgh Steelers and puts you in that war room of the front office. So part part one was a big one. We talked about running backs. We you know um, we you know we talked about why the Steelers could trade back in this in this year's draft and what does history suggest about doing so. I wanted to get onto centers. We know the Pittsburgh Steelers have a problem at center. 
in 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 this in their 2021 roster. Now they've signed JC Hassenhauer, who was an exclusive rights free agent. Jeffrey Benedict has done an interesting series that blames him for the Steelers sort of, you know, the the derail of the season. You know, and even Jeffrey says it, you know, slightly unfair. But I agree. We we can't rely on JC Hassenhauer. And in fact, I hope I my hope and good luck to him in the rest of his career is that the Steelers can you know, well support themselves with through free agency and get or even a prospect in the draft. Um, maybe it is someone like that I mentioned earlier in the show, like a Jim, Jim, Jimmy Morrissey from Pitt, um, someone they can develop or what have you. But relying on JC Hassenhauer as the backup, I don't I think we know what we've got with him and he's not the future for the Pittsburgh Steelers. There are a bunch of different centers this year in there that have sort of entered free agency now. Obviously the some of the top guys um with the two Pouncy brothers. And we know they're both retired. The other guys are like Nick Martin that we know that have been has been released from the Texans, Alex Mack from the Falcons. But I, I think the rumor is he's retiring if he hasn't already. If I've missed that news, Corey Lindsay is someone that's been Lindsley has been someone that talked about from the Packers. We know BJ Finney's been released from the Bengals. We know what we're getting from BJ Finney. You know, is he worth bringing back? Then there's Austin Blythe from the Rams. There's David Andrews at the Patriots, who's a bit old, and he's a bit older there at 29, like Andrew Blythe. And there's Ted Carras. I wanted to focus in on Ted Carras, though, and, 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 and Austin Blythe, because these are two players that I can actually see the Pittsburgh Steelers going for. Um, and, and, the, and you know what? I'd be really supportive of them doing it. Um, as I've said, as I've covered in other shows, you know, what's really interesting is and when you look at over the caps, um, basically the value um, over the annual pay per year that, that players are providing. And, and what I found really interesting at the center position was the value that guys like Ted Carras was doing. Now, Ted Carras had an average um, pay per year on his current contract, which averaged about $3 million. According to over the cap, which is uh, th- this valuation, which is is based on PFF, so I get that people might want to take that with a grain of salt. He delivered about nine million dollars over value. Um, a bit of background on Ted Carras, you know, he was a middle of the road starter in 2020 for the Dolphins. Um, he earned the 19th best overall grade, 65.3 from Pro Football Focus. He allowed, I think it was 11 pressures, a pair of sacks on 667 blocking attempts. He wasn't. You know, he was sort of suggested that he wasn't that great at opening up, you know, gaps for the running backs, um, you know, and he had about 14 blocks in the run game there. Um, he was more proficient with this back in 2019 with the Patriots, um, and he re- finished a respectable 15 out of 33 qualified centers on pro football focus. Um, he's been penalized only nine times in two and a half thousand career snaps and has also played at right guard. He's going to turn 28 later this month. He's a player with plenty of upside, um, you know, and he's been a two-year full-time starter. I've even, you know, so he's an interesting one for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He would offer you some depth there. It's a much like younger version of a Wisniewski situation, but hopefully if you bring him in, you're actually getting some value there from him. And I just think, is this the is this a player that we could get for, you know, that $5 million mark? Is it, you know, it would be interesting to see what we can get for, for Karras there. Now, obviously, with someone like a Corey Lindsley, we're more looking at, you know, you're going to be spending the best part of, you know, sort of 10 million. I reckon you're going to be spending $10 million or so to be able to, um, 
to acquire someone of that caliber, you know, and there are plenty of teams that are going to potentially have that cap space over what we're going to have in the Steelers. And, and it's just so much to spend on one position when there's a bunch of different guys that we're going to have to try and, you know, keep, or we're going to have to try and fill in, you know, fill that gap that they're going to provide. So the other guy I wanted to look at was Austin Blythe, because I've seen a few mock drafts that have the Pitts, the Pittsburgh Steelers interest in Creed Humphrey, that Creed Hump, that same Chris Creed Humphrey, I should say, going to the LA Rams. Now, He's Blythe, twenty nine now. Um, he was he's been a reliable, you know, player for the Rams over the last few seasons. He's, I think he started forty seven out of forty eight games, going back to twenty eighteen, um, where he transitioned to center and he played all sixteen games there in twenty twenty. Um, he earned the thirteenth best grade, so higher than Carras on PFF. Um, so sixty nine point zero out of thirty centers that qualified. Um, and, you know, this was largely due to his stellar performance as a run blocker. He struggled in pass protection, allowing four sacks and eight quarterback hits while receiving on pass protection a 52.5 grade. Um, you know, but the I know that the Rams are sort of going, well, it'll be a shame to lose him. They, they're probably not going to spend money in that position. Again, you sort of sit there and you're like, well, hang on. He could be really interesting. The Steelers need to have, you know, better better run gaps and what have you. But when I look at a Ted Carras and Austin Blythe, you sort of sit there and you go, well, we need to keep Big Ben upright. Ted Carras is that guy. If we can, if he fits in the right sort of offensive line, is he someone that could get? And I think when I talked about earlier about trading back, if center is your top need on the board at the moment, I look at these guys. These guys can provide day one starter value. These guys are experienced in the NFL. They're going to cost less than a Lindsley. I think they're going to cost less than a Nick Martin from, from the Texans. Um, you know, and there's a bunch of other centers out there that, you know, a 50, 50. But when I look at these guys, these are guys that, you know, at 28 and 29 at the center position, they could have anywhere from three to four to five to five years left, you know, maybe even three or four, if they've got three or four, what do we do? Can we backload a couple of contracts? You know, these guys have got some proven, some proven time in the league. Equally, you know, when I when I look at these guys, is you've you've got stuff on tape there. You've you've got teams that have played with them. You know, where where can the Steelers you know really improve this offensive line? And to me. Yes, there's some great tackles in this draft. And yes, at 24, if you're going to stay there, you're probably going to be able to you probably will be able to pick one of them up. Let's just make sure you, you're picking up the right one. Um, but at center, if we don't have a first round grade, let's look at getting it in the draft. And this year's draft does not have too many good um, too many good centers in it. Moving on though, because let's get on to the draft, um, the draft side of things there. But you know, really great to cover that center position. I wanted to talk about two other players that had sort of come up in a bit of my, a a bit of my research in the last few weeks. And that the first one that I wanted to talk about was Damien Brown. Um, And he's a player that um, I I know some of the NFL network guys have sort of talked about. He's a big one that could play, you know, his pro day is going to be really important with no combine. Um, He's a wide receiver out of NC state. So um, he's someone that, you know, we can really look at of you know that the, what that offense did there, and I think it was Michael Carter, Javon A. Williams, what have you. Um, he had 55 receptions in 2020 for just one yard short of 1100. Um, he averaged 20 yards um, per reception, so a bit of a deep ball specialist. 
eight touchdowns, a long of 87. Um, in 2019, he had 51 receptions for 1,034 yards, 20.3 average, 12 touchdowns, a long of 66. Um, and in 2018, he had 17 receptions on 173 yards, average of 10.2, one TD, long of 21. But what you can see there is he's had two seasons of over a thousand yards in a great offense. Um, you know, wide receiver, he's six foot one, he's 185 pounds. He's projected, and as I said, we don't have his pro day yet. So interesting, his pro day will really affect where he falls in the draft. Um, but you know, he's in there um at the moment as as they, they think he'll run about a four-five, a four-five. Um and, you know, if, if he can run that 4-5, I, I think, or even slightly faster, I think you're going to see him rocket up the board. Um, but, you know, is he someone that we could get a third-round draft pick? You know, who could we spend a third round and get him? You know, he's a good height. Um, and whilst he's a deep ball specialist, you know, it has been said that he can, you know, this his pro day is really going to be an opportunity for him to prove that he's an, he, he can run all the routes. You know, and that and that's the thing. They're like, you know, can he run all the routes? Um, you know, he's a dynamic player. Oh, I just think when you look at what the Steelers, the Steelers are going to have James Washington come off contract, then they're going to have Deontay Johnson, and then they're going to have Claypool. Um, you know, he's he's a guy. This is a guy that could be a number two. He could be a really good number three. While he gets to number two, um, you know. He can stretch the field. He's a target for Ben. And, I, and I, you can say we've got that in James Washington, but take the pressure off a guy like Jamie Brown. You know, what if we get one injury? Um, and, and if this is a guy, as I say, that we can get, you know, at the start of day three or the end of day two, he's the sort of guy you might even trade up to get back, in a, you know, into that third round if you need to or trade up in the fourth round to get him. I just think he's a really interesting pick for this Pittsburgh Steelers offense and stretching the field and allow Claypool to do what he does, like Deontay to do what he does, you know, um, you know, on those unders routes and what have you. I, I just think this opens it up. Um, but I guess one of the challenges for Brown is that he ran quite a simple route tree in college. So that's going to be really important. Um, but yeah, I think he could be a really solid number three receiver um, for a team that likes to pass. That's what the scouts are saying too. And you know what? We could really, you know, that's what Big Ben needs. He needs guys that are going and going to go and make plays um, at the next level. The other player I wanted to cover was from Florida State, and that's Asante Daniels Jr. at the cornerback position. Um, I saw a four-round mock draft recently that had him being picked up by the Steelers. It was either in, I think it was in the third round there or the fourth round. I think it was the fourth round. Um He's an interesting player. I, I've seen Asante Samuel, you know, on different boards. And, you know, you, you sort of see him anywhere in the, you know, top 40 or 50, you know, all the way out later in the, you know, way deeper into the draft. Um, you know, he is going to be one of the, the the top corners, I think, that is taken. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see what, you know, a team like the Steelers really think about him at the position. I know a um, PFF right now, Pro Football Focus, have him in there at number 29 on their big board. Um, He only allowed 179 yards in eight games and a passer rating of 46.2 in college. He's the son of a four-time NFL Pro Bowler, um, Asante Jamil Sr., because he's Asante Samuel Jr. Um, You know, know, effectively, he's not senior there, but, you know, he's, he's... the father of Asante Samuel Jr. Um, he ended his NFL draft of a strong career in the ACC on a struggling Seminoles defense. He's 
you know, some might seem a little undersized at 5'10 and 184 pounds. Um, he's got, you know, really good instincts in man coverage, loose hips, quick feet. Um, and despite him not having ideal size, he's a good run defender and a tackler um, and isn't, you know, liability there. He's not someone that's going to shy away. Um, you know, he might look like a slot corner in terms of sizing, but he plays a bit more like a Brandon Flowers Denzel Ward um, and can ca- capable of playing wide in the NFL like he did in college. Um, and it, but he can play in the slot. Apparently, he's big room to grow his zone coverage and ball skills. He mostly played man in college um, and isn't as going to be isn't as comfortable in zone reps. That's where he might be a challenge. You know, it might be an issue for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, he's not a guy that's going to get you loads of interceptions, but he's going to shut some people down. Um, and he can he can start at the next level for the right defense um, that's willing to move him around. He could be a really interesting fit for the Steelers, but when I look at it. I was a bit I was a bit surprised. I think there are other different cornerbacks. The thing is, is that I think where Asante Jam- Samuels will fall a little bit in this draft, given the the the, the 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 tackles, the quarterbacks, the wide receivers, even those running backs that aren't picked at the um, in late round one and then go in early round one, the cornerbacks will slip as well. And he's not he's not in the top sort of three or four cornerbacks there. The edge rushers are going to slip. So. I think what's going to be really interesting is that you're going to get to round, you're going to get to round through midway, midway through round three, I should say, and you're going to start to see a massive gap in terms of you'll start seeing play. Then it'll open up. Then there'll be different sort of positions picked every round. But I think in that sort of top, let's say sixty to eighty picks, or even sixty to ninety picks, you're going to see like very quick runs where there's, you know, three or four tackles taken in the space of 10 picks, obviously, you know, and that's easy to say for round one, but I think you're going to see similar things start to flow in rounds two or three. It won't be till till the start of that third round where you start seeing all different types of positions taken with each and every pick. But with that, that wraps up Steelers war room for this week. It's been a, it's been a, a great run so far in terms of these shows. I'm really enjoying bringing them to you. I know there's something different. You don't always have to agree with them. They're about food for thought. They're, you know, designed to you to go and have a look yourself. If you've got questions or reiterate, feel free to email me at Aussie. That's with double S I E Aussie steel. So a U double S I E Steeler. 91 at gmail.com. I'm happy to bring up your questions. I have done and included these for a couple of different listeners already. It is a lot of fun when I go back to doing it. Next week when I join, when you listen to my podcast, it'll be the afternoon as the league year kicks off. You know, it'll be live, you know, just, I think it's just after the, you know, um, you know, the it'll be right before the curtain call. I think the YouTube show would no doubt the guys are probably going to be covering things there. If you haven't checked out Touching Under, listen to that. If you, you know, make sure you're listening to the Let's Rides. Jeff's got great content. It's, it's going to be great insights. We get close to the draft. All the YouTube shows, Tony's show, you know, said, you know, Michael Beck and Jeffrey Benedict's show there, the Schofield brothers. Um, you know, you've got Dave Stack Geek as well. Um, the Hangover, Tales for 2 a.m., you know, lighten it up with that, with that sort of content. There's so much content on BTSC. It's your one-stop shop. For all things Pittsburgh Steelers, whether it's on the audio, YouTube, or, or website side for content, there's so much taking up in the draft. Engage with us. Ask us questions. It's going to be an exciting few weeks, so hold on to your hats. <laughs>